46. Hey, guys. How is everyone doing today? Tyler, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. This is a big episode for me today. Uh, This is a big episode for us today. This is our Business 1001 series. Um, We have a special guest today, Mr. Brendan. How are you today? Fine, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on, man. This was not easy to get, Tyler. I've been trying and trying and trying. This is a hard man to get a hold of. So this is a big I've deal. I've heard. The man of mystery. <laughs> He's, it's, it's hard, man. It's hard. The first time I got his business card, he told me that they're one for 50 cents or three for a dollar. So, you know, he's, he's always pushing, man. He's always pushing. How much for a gross? <laughs> That's we an excellent question. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, what we're going to do today on this episode, uh, this is our business 1001 is what we call this episode. Um, we have so many questions. I mean, there's so many people trying to get into the workforce. There's so many people trying to start a brand, build a company, get ahead. And Brendan's the right person to talk to. I mean, this is this is a big, big deal. Um, t- tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What, what's going on with you? What's your what's your background? Sure. Um, so I went. I did an undergrad in accounting from the University of Notre Dame. Um, then I went into public accounting for a little bit. Uh, earned my CPA license, and then went back to school uh, and earned, earned an MBA from USC. Um, after that, I went into corporate America, worked in a lot of finance positions at several different companies. And about 10 years ago, um, I left the, kind of that corporate world and started uh, consulting to smaller companies. Um, the concept of my business is basically work with small companies, which usually is you know $5 million to $25 million in revenue. Um, and, and work with them usually, you know, like one day a week, um, at each one. And then they get, you know, a high level, um, CFO, um, level person. And, you know, I get to work at a different, you know, different companies, get different experiences, different industries, um, allows me flexibility. And, you know, frankly, at those size companies, if I was the CFO full time, I'd be bored out of my mind because there's not <laughs> enough, enough to, they wouldn't be able to afford me and, and I'd be bored out of my mind. So, you know, th- this works. That's that's um, so cool, man. That's so cool. I, I want to get to a place professionally in my life where I could tell people you can't afford me. Yeah, <laughs> that's always <laughs> a good place to be. Yeah, yeah I, I say it to Tyler all the time, but then he, you know, drops dollar bills on the floor and I just, you know, jump at them. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> Is there a is there a company that has just like exploded since you've been there? Just like insanely exploded? Um, I've had uh, one of mine is a um, is a is a startup, and it recently got a, a billion dollar valuation. Oh my god! Um, there you go. You know, and so it just you know they're still losing money. You know, it's just you know how the world works in, in finance. They're they're young. They're disruptive. Um, mm. So that that was quite an experience. That, that's exactly the type of, of things that we're looking for in this episode, because so many people have a great idea and just don't know how, how to go about, you know, implementing the right tools or whatever it may be to, to go from zero to a billion dollars and not lose money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, a little know, bit of- when, on those ones, when they're on a big trajectory, they're, they're allowed to lose the money. You know, they're, it's, it's, it's a given, you know, Amazon lost money, you know, until a few years ago, they were losing money every year. Um, yeah. Same with Tesla, you know, so it, it's just, that's the model. It's just get huge and then worry about profitability down the road. What's the biggest common mistake you find with, with companies like this that are losing money? Um, well, the, the, those ones, it's intentionally, Hey, we're in growth mode. We're, we're pumping in money to just, you know, gain customers instead of gain profitable dollars. You know, you've got to get over that hump. So they're just trying to grow. So it's not necessarily a mistake uh, for them. That's their strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, smaller companies that I deal with, you know, a lot of, some of the mistake is just, um, you know, not, not refining the business enough, you know, sitting back and not making, you know, the tough decisions that you have to do and kind of eventually get bloated and fat and that when things, you know, turn on the revenue side, that's when you start losing money. So you've got to always kind of stay lean and make the right decisions along the way. Awesome. Yeah. That, Eric, that, what do you got? There's, I, I, you know, I, I want to know a little bit more about, about you, if you don't mind. Um, what, what was your first job? I mean, going into these things, did you always know that you were going into that direction or, or, you know, did you go from McDonald's to, to assembly line to something like that? Um, well, I, I, you know, I started off college as a math major and then, uh, you know, quickly realized, you know, that was more about the science of math and I really like the applied side and, you know, I'm good with numbers, but I didn't want to be, you know, working in a science lab type thing for numbers. 
Um, so right. that's why I went into the business world. Um, then when I did the accounting, you know, a lot of accounting is kind of looking back and kind of keeping score. And I kind of like the aspect of, of looking more forward and working on the planning going forward and making those type of decisions. That's how I kind of transitioned to finance. Um, so, it, you know, it's kind of an explore and kind of feel your way through things. Um, definitely the accounting background helps me in the finance world, and I'm happy I have that um, versus going straight into finance. But um, So it, it was a positive, but you just kind of feel out what you like and, and, and go, go with it. So you've always been uh, just a numbers guy, though, right? Uh, yeah, that, that's my thing. Um, in business school, I, I uh, did a dual concentration in finance and marketing um, just to kind of learn more about marketing and be able to speak to the marketing people. My yeah. intention was never to be a marketing guy. I'm not a marketing guy, but I just wanted to kind of be a little bit more well-rounded and understand their world, uh, never wanting to venture into it and be a head of marketing or anything. It's 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 really fascinating because I was telling Tyler that that you know a lot of times especially especially you and and you know all the all that you have achieved so far you get to have the unique perspective of being on the other side of the interview table um, because yeah. you do consulting things like that people usually come to you instead of you being you know on the other side of the table you're you're on the side giving the advice and and doing the the hiring and making you know the tough choices for businesses. Um, yeah. yeah. So a lot of our audience is, is a little bit younger. We have a lot of you know people that are that are coming out of out of uh, recessions, things like that, and they're starting to interview. You know that's nerve wracking. Oh yeah, uh, I've been what, on both sides of the desk. Yeah. <laughs> but, but but what is something? What is some advice you can give people? I mean, what is what are people doing right and people doing wrong? Is there a way to stand out? I, I mean, what do, what do you have for us as far as interviewing? Um. I think even before the interview process, it, it's kind of make make that personal connection. I think a lot of times these days people kind of hide behind their computers and kind of send off resumes uh, blindly to companies, and those just end up in a stack. And, and unless it's you know shockingly good, it's hard to stand out with with just that. I think you kind of have to network your way, under, learn about the company, see if you know, might know somebody who knows somebody um, to kind of work your way in that way or just be aggressive and make the phone calls there and try to talk to people. But, you know, just sitting back and clicking a button and expecting them to call you for an interview because the, your resume uh, landed in their inbox it is unlikely to happen. You know, so, it's just, you get swamped. If you, if you post something right now on, on a, you know, indeed or whatever, you're going to get swamped with, with resumes and, and, you know, you need to do something more than that usually to stand out. Um, during the interview process, I mean, I would say in the interview, you know, know that you're, the whole the whole process is the interview. I've heard of people, you know, someone cut off somebody in the parking lot of the company, you know, and, and that turned out to be the interviewer. You know, oh, my and, God. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the, when you're sitting there, you check in with the receptionist. Receptionist can be evaluating you. You know, are you fidgeting around? Are you playing games on your phone? Are you doing anything appropriate on your phone? You know, um, are you checking your watch all the time, kind of impatient or nervous? You know, all that can get reported back to people. Um, and then, you know, same thing with some places take you out to lunch as part of it. You know, that's part of the interview. And they, they know that you'll kind of let your guard down during that lunch. Um, you know, that sometimes they send you out with lower level people who will be more at your level. And sometimes, you know, I, I worked at a company and they came back with a horror story that the guy was, extremely inappropriate what he said at the at the dinner at the lunch and you know it, that ended it right there um wow so just just know the whole process you're always on you know the, the, the whole interview is not the one hour when you're sitting in there with them but you know start to finish and you know a thank you email all those type of things are all part of the whole process um other, other than that I, you know be prepared know the company know what you're interviewing for um and I think the biggest thing is try to make that connection and to make it conversational. Um, you know, a lot of times the, you know, if you're multi interviewing with multiple people, some of those people don't want to be there. If you can make it interesting and kind of hit relaxed instead of just, you know, I've had people where it's like pulling teeth to get, you know, more than a couple of words answers out of them. And when I have 30 minutes on my schedule, it's like, Oh my God, I'm only three minutes into this. And this is, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, and, but at the same time, I've, I've, I've had other ones kind of dominate me. Like I couldn't get a word in it edgewise as the interviewer, you know, so you want to find that balance to kind of strike it and make it conversational 
Um, instead, you know, break it out of that interview format where it's question, answer, question, answer, but more just, you know, a conversation about things. So, so as someone that's, that's conducted the interview on the other side of the table, how do you know, I mean, how, how, how do you gauge your BS meter? Cause that has to be a thing. I'm assuming everyone going into an interview is on their best behavior is, is answering all the questions correctly. Is the person saying, Oh yeah, company first. Uh, no, I don't even, I don't even take days off. You know, if my kid's sick, he's coming to work with me. They're going to say any and everything because everyone is trying to get the job. They know the answer you're looking for. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a real part of it. And, and it's a challenge. I mean, I've had people that we've hired where later you're like, yeah, it just turned out they're really polished and yeah, they, they looked great and they didn't deliver. Um, so it, it's difficult. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of places you interview with multiple people because, uh, you know, maybe one guy will kind of see something or they'll do that lunch and you'll let your guard down and they'll see some some side of you where you're like, OK, that might be the more real side. Um, and, you know, as an interviewer, you're trying to make it conversational. So you try to break them out of that. Oh, my three biggest weaknesses are that I work too hard and, and yeah, all that yeah. nonsense. Um, so, you, you know, and some, sometimes it's too, it's, it's throw, throw them some curveballs, right? You know, people prepare for interviews. They know those type of questions are coming. So instead of those, you know, that's why a lot of some places come out of left field and just say, you know, how many, you know, how many windows are there in New York City? You know, and, and they want to see how you think through those type of questions and your logic. And it's not something you would have prepared for. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like, okay, you know, a good person would say, okay, there's skyscrapers, there are this many stories, there's probably this many of them, there's cars, you have to factor that in, you know, kind of see someone's thought process. And at least you're getting kind of a real, look at what they are instead of a, a, a polished pre-answer that they knew, you know, Hey, I had that one in my holster and you, you asked that question and I, here's my answer. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's absolutely a dance, right, Tyler? Uh, I'm sure. It's been a while since there was an interview, but yeah. Is there, um, what's been like the best and worst as the interviewer, what's the best and worst kind of person you've encountered? Um, I'd say, you know, the, the worst are, there's a lot of different worst, you know, that one where I'm pulling teeth and I'm getting one word answers, you know, that's not making my half hour enjoyable for me. <laughs> yeah. you know, so for, for some, some, from stand, some standpoint, that's bad. Um, I think someone, you're in there to sell yourself, you know, but there's a fine line and some people come off as really, you know, braggy and, and annoying. That you know, arrogance. That standpoint, they're, they're trying the arrogance and they're trying too hard and they're like, Oh, great. That's great, sir. You know, that kind of sycophant, uh, attitude, you know, that, that's, that's a negative. Um, the best is, you know, like I said, someone you kind of connect with where you're like, you know, that whole, Hey, I could grab a beer with this guy, you know, feeling right. Or a girl, you know, so, so you, or woman. So, so you know, yes. when you're talking to someone, Hey, it feels natural. It feels, it feels, um, organic and, and natural. And that, that's what you kind of hope for in an interview, you know, that you're getting the real person and someone that you wouldn't mind being friends with, let alone a coworker. So the most introverted people are basically fucked. <laughs> no, in a way. In a lot of ways, they're more natural. You're getting like, you know, an extroverted, super polished salesy type person is going to sometimes come off feeling that way. You know, it's like, like, you know, sometimes you meet those extroverts that feel like used car salesmen, you know? Mm. Um, so, so it's a balance. You, I, I feel like, you know, sometimes the introverts, you know, they feel a little genuine. You almost feel for them. They're a little bit shy or whatever, and they, they need some prodding. Um, but, you know, so, so they're not effed, but it, it, you know, it helps to be an extrovert when you're going into an interview, you know, it's just, that's, that's the process, but, you know, especially, it depends what you're hiring for. You know, if I'm hired into a finance role, I don't need somebody who's going to be, you know, meeting with clients 24 seven. Right. So if they're a little introverted, so be it, that's fine. You know, if I'm hiring for a sales position and they're introverted, I'm concerned because it's like, how do we send this person out in front of me? <laughs> right? Exactly. So, uh, how, once, once someone gets a job, I mean, how do they, what's the right ways to climb a corporate ladder without seeming too aggressive? I mean, you don't want to step on toes when you come in, you're, you're supposed to know your place and what I've had in, in my businesses as well. It's a lot of people come in and expect to be management within, you know, a month. They say, Oh, I got it. What else can I do? 
So how, how do you how do you climb the corporate ladder appropriately? What's the proper way to to get ahead in business? Um, I, I always say, you know, you want if you're going for a position above yourself, you get that by doing a good job at the position you're at. Right. And too often people are, you know, auditioning too much for the role they want and, and ignoring the role they have. Um, so, so that's a big negative. Um, the other thing is just patience. You know, I've seen it same what you're referring to, you know, someone three months in is asking for a promotion and they finally get yeah. it to him a year later. And then he was asking for next promotion three months later, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that gets old and, and that, on them. that can, cap, yeah, it was gutsy. Um, but you know, that kind of cap, caps you off. So, you know, it, it, it's a delicate process. You know, you want, you want to show that you're interested in moving up because some people don't show it at all. They're interested, but you wouldn't know it. You don't want to be that person, but you don't want to be the person pushing from day one. Hey, when's my promotion? You know, <laughs> congratulations. You got that up. Great. I'm going to be promoted. You know, yeah, right. um, you know, so it's, it's really, you know, put in the time, put in the effort, do a good job. But at the same time, you want to balance that and make sure that they know that you want to be moved up and that's kind of your goals. So, you know, a lot of companies have a yearly process. You sit down with your boss, you say, you know, and you can do it in a way saying, you know, I'd like to move up in this company. What are some things I can do? How, how can I get exposed to this? Um, what do I need to work on? You know, you can say it in a way that's not, Hey, promote me. It's, I want to work with you and yeah. be a big part of this company long-term help me out, you know, and I, I help me help you. I like that. I, I like the idea of, of flipping it on the on the company and saying, "Hey, I'm here to 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 get ahead and and you know establish your goals and your ideas." And then, like you said, have a relationship where it's side by side. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's like an athlete. You know, if you're if you're on the bench, you know, being the eighth guy on on the Lakers, you say, "Hey, what can I do? What do I need to work on in my game to move my way up so I can potentially start and help your team out?" You know, I don't. I'm, I'm not, that makes let them know that you're. I'm willing to play that role, but I'd also love to be, you know, in a bigger role. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then I want to ask you if we could do an exercise. Tyler, I had this idea of Team TNA's hypo- hypothetical lemonade stand. So okay. a lot of people... Well, this will fold in a matter of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you're having the wrong attitude, Tyler. You're fired. Um, right. So... A lot of people think it's it's just so easy to get up and go. There's so many startups. I mean, I think we're in the age of startups right now. Um, I think people shoot or or box a lot heavier than than their weight. You know what I mean? Um, they every, yeah. everyone tries to minimize how big of a deal things really are. Uh, it's it's the same type of question that that Tyler asked you before. You know, why do businesses fail? So if we were going to start a hypothetical lemonade stand, what are things that people don't think about just off the top of their head? Um, I mean, first of all, you, you want to have a passion for the business. A lot of people get into things to try to make money at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be a lot of tough days in any business when you're running a business. Right. And so you have to have a passion for that lemonade and really like being the lemonade guy. Right. You can't be like, Oh, this seems like a good opportunity, you know, to make money. You know, you're not going to have the passion that's going to come off. You're going to have some tough days. It's going to be tough to get through those because you're not passionate about it. Um, so I think that's one mistake. Um, I th- the biggest thing, you know, I'm a finance guy, so, you know, lay out the business plan and put together the numbers, right? How, mu- how much sales do you expect to have? What are the, what's the cost of the lemonade? Um, you know, what, what's the cost of, you know, the, the stand itself, all, all your the overhead, and- all your overhead, everything else, map that all out, right? Because sometimes people have a business idea, you map that all out and you go, there's no money to be made here. Yeah. Right? yeah. And it's like, hey, I can work eight hours a day at my lemonade stand and make fifty cents. You know, <laughs> good thing I wrote it down instead of spending eight hours out there. <laughs> um, so you know, and that's really you know, when you're talking about other business types of businesses, that's how you get funding too. You go to them and say, here's my business plan. Here's how we can make money. And you almost want to pe- play devil's advocate with yourself and then have other people kind of punch holes in it. What about this? What happens here? What happens there? So you kind of refine it and feel like you can really defend it. You know, I'm a big proponent of the show Shark Tank. You kind of see them and they get up there. You have to know your numbers. They're going to be punching holes in it. If you have good answers, you can win, you know, because they'll be like, oh, okay, he knows his stuff. He's thought about this. If you go like, oh, uh, you know, when they ask the first question, you know, they're going to be out real quick. 
that makes a lot of sense. So, so just mapping out the the trajectory of of the business itself is is the first step to take. You're saying? Yeah, I mean that's one that's from the the from the finance side of things, like mapping out the the financial plan for it and seeing if it's viable, uh, seeing what it'll cost. Is there a lot of upfront overhead? You know, some businesses it's like, yeah, it'll cost me three hundred thousand dollars to get it off the ground. How do I get that money? And one of the answers is you have this plan, so you can say, "Hey, here's I'd like to raise some money, but and here's where it'll lead us." And you kind of have that path. Um, so it's all part of that process. I mean, backing up, it, it's like there's something in marketing called the the four P's, which is product, p- price, place, and promotion. So right, so you think, what are we going to sell? That's your product. You know, refine it. In the lemonade example, okay, is it just lemonade? Are we going to do some cookies with it, cupcakes? Um, you know, any side side type of products, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then you look at, at price, you know, what are we going to be charging? And then you, when you're running that through your financial model, it's kind of, does that make sense? You can't, you know, the lemonade, if a cup of lemonade costs you 50 cents, don't charge 55. I mean, you've got to have the margin and everything else that will support the business. Right. And then, you know, place, how, how do you sell? What's your, your channel of distribution? Well, this one's a stand. So it's literally a place, you know, okay, pick the, pick the best corner. You know, if you're, at a dead end street, you know, with your lemonade stand, you know, versus a highly high pedestrian area that's hot and people want lemonade and doesn't have competitors around it. That's, you know, that's what you want to do, you know, and, and then promotion is how do you promote your business? You know, in the old days, the lemonade stand, you put up your little sign or you put a couple signs around the neighborhood. These days you can do email blasts to your Facebook friends and, you know, yeah. social media approaches that you could do to, you know, you know, I have a sister-in-law that does that, and their kids make good money on a lemonade stand when they bust it out in the summer because you know their friends come over for it. And the friends' parents are buying lemonade, and it's a social activity. You got to start you know, them young, man. You start them young, but I mean, if you're just sitting there waiting, waiting, you know, that's like sitting there for the, you know, shooting things off on Indeed, hoping people will call you. You know, you got to be aggressive. You know, so that's good. That's good. That's true. Uh, Tyler, what do you got? Uh, so if you could just like walk us through, if you go into one of these companies, like what, what do you start with? And then when do you say, okay, I've, I've done all I can, like, what is your workflow basically? Um, I mean, some are project-based, so you're kind of there to help them get from point A to point B. A lot of the ones that I do are more long-term kind of, I'm hired on there as the part-time CFO. Um, you know, in those situations, it's, it's. If I feel like I'm not helping them anymore, then I'll pull the plug or see what I can do to ch- turn that around. Um, but you know, when I get in there, it's it's kind of you know, I, I, first thing is like, what are your challenges? What do you need, right? Because you want to help solve you want to help solve their problems. And then you know, I, I roll up my sleeves, I get in, look at the numbers, see what I see, come back with what I see. You know, I'll say, hey, pricing seems too low. You're spending too much on shipping. You know, it could be anything, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times it, it's, hey, you know, your numbers aren't very clean. You're flying blind because, you know, the accountant's taking too long to close the books and giving you crappy numbers. And, you know, so you're just making random decisions because, you know, your roadmap isn't there. And, and, you know, that's the other piece is, you know, even that business, going back to the business plan, we do it. I do annual plans with companies and kind of lay out, here's your forecast. And, you know, sometimes first pass through, it's like, yeah, it doesn't look great. Let's how, how do we fix that? You know, but this is kind of, it's almost like they're just running the race without any expectations and going, oh, why did I run such a slow race? It's like, well, what did, did you train? Did you figure out what you were doing wrong? Did, you know, all those type of things. Um, so it's really laying out that roadmap and then, you know, measuring yourself against that. Are, are your opinions received well or, or is there a lot of pushback when you go into an established company and say, hey, you're, you're not doing this and that and the other right? Are, are people offended by that or do they usually receive it well? Is there fear like an office space, like when they bring in the consultants? <laughs> um, there, there's usually some, you know, usually the person hiring me would be like the owner or CEO or whatever, right? And they realize they need it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have hired that position. Right. Keep doing right, of course. Job, right. So they see, they see the benefit of that. Um and, you know, when I have ideas and I present it to them, I'm not saying you're doing this wrong, this wrong, you know, there's a way to say it and, and get them to the, you know, bring them to where you, you are. 
without telling them they're an idiot. Um, but you know, there is some, you know, sometimes some lower level people are, are afraid or like, Hey, what does this mean? Does this mean there's going to be layoffs or is he trying to take my spot here or whatever? And I, I try to work with them and I, I say from the get go, I don't want your job. You know, you're here to do your job. I'm here to do mine. We need to work together, you know, that type of thing and try to build a, build that relationship. So mm-hmm. they're, they're not defensive all the time and, and, and worried about it. Cause I really am not, you know, I have a, several clients, my days full, you know, my week's full. Um, I'm not looking for a full-time job. I'm not trying to push you out of your job, you know, for the yeah. controller or whatever it would be, you know, so that, but, that puts more. But have there, been, have, have there been times where you went into a company and you just started sweeping people out of the building? Like, has, has that happened? I'm sure it has though, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll evaluate things the best I can and say, you know, and a lot of times it's, it's kind of playing that devil, devil's advocate. Cause like I said, you know, what companies do wrong is they get too comfortable and don't cut the fat and that type of thing. And I'll, I'll say like, what do you yeah. think of this person? You know, why are they here? What, whatever. And a lot of times their answer is good. And it's like, Hey, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, just, I'm just there, you know, barely there. They know this person. They might say like, Oh no, they're great. They do this, 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 this. And it's like, okay, great. You know, keep them. So I'm not making those decisions, but I'll kind of prod them to think through the process to say, okay, have I evaluated this person? You know, sometimes you get in there like, Oh, why is this person here? Like, Oh, they're the niece of the owner. You know, <laughs> that type of thing. Oh, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> can't, can't fire them. But um, yeah, next question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so there's always reasons or whatever you hear some politics or whatever it is, but um, you know, it, it's more bringing them to, to, to the same conclusions I'm making. And sometimes those conclusions are wrong and they can guide me to a different conclusion, but, you know, it's just having another person in the room to think about it the right way and kind of a fresh set of eyes on things. Because if someone's worked with a bunch of people forever, they're not looking at it from that standpoint. How often do those politics get in the way? Like it's just such an, a simple fix, but yet you can't fire someone or you can't change this because, you know, the it's the owner's, you know, love or whatever. Like how often yeah. does that get in the way? Um, occasionally. I mean, I, I've seen it. I've seen it where, you know, we we had a situation like that. We laid out the reasons. We gave that person a lot of chances, and then finally the owner said, "Yeah, go for it." You know, I, I agree. You know, so it it, it took longer um, than it should have. Um, I was at a place that this uh, this guy and apparently he wasn't working out, and I was like, "Oh, that's too bad." He seemed really nice, and they're like, "Yeah, that's why we gave him three chances." <laughs> you know, it's like. <laughs> if he was a jerk, he would have been gone a long time ago. <laughs> he was like, you're such a nice guy. It's like, okay. <laughs> Finally, like, enough's enough. Um, uh, on that so, yeah, same it, note, then, you know, the, we, the and I've asked this question know. before, is there room for sentiment in business? Um, there Are is. Are you still with us? There is. Um, you know, you, you need that. What's that? The, what happened? To be, to be sentimental so, in business? Yeah. So, I mean, camaraderie is a big part of business and you need to play as a team. Um, so, so I factor that all into the sentiment, you know, you need to like each other, but at the end of the day, you kind of, I've had situations where people don't like each other and you're like, you, you don't need to like each other, but you need to get along. Right. And so yeah, you can't always right. be best friends at work or whatever. Um, but it helps if people kind of gel and work together and work as a team. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, a lot of companies that I deal with, some are partnerships, right? And, and you know, like marriages, you know, a lot of partnerships don't work out. And, you know, that's always challenging. And sometimes you have to try to work through it. And, you know, sometimes it's not, not able to be worked through and, you know, it ends up breaking the company apart. So, um, what, know, there's a lot of what about, what personal about- dynamics to things. Of course, but what about about like uh, an idea? There's people that that just get latched onto an idea, and they say, "You know what? I'm gonna throw everything I have at this idea until they force it to work." And you just see it's it's you know pulling the entire company to the ground. How do you know when to let go of something? Um, I mean that's challenging. I, I've seen it at a company where that's you know when that's the CEO doing that. Yeah, it's really hard to defend because if he's the CEO, especially CEO and owner of the company, at the end of the day that's kind of his right to make that decision. Um, other people can kind of steer him 
hopefully to a better conclusion. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's the, the CEO's call. Um, and then, you know, if you see other people within the organization behaving like that, then, then that's where you can kind of hopefully someone higher up can overturn that and kind of weigh in and be the adult in the room and, and, and right, right the wrong. But for someone starting their own business, I mean, more more specifically on that and less about a corporation. So again, back to Team TNA's lemonade stand. If we say, you know what, we're doing something different. We're going to do strawberry lemonade. We're not going to have the regular one. And we just, yeah. you know, beat this. Uh, how do they say, Tyler? Beat the beat a dead horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how do you know? How do you know when to pull off? How do you say, okay, you know, we've tried A through Z, and how do you know when you've tried A through Z? How do you know if the next idea isn't the one that's going to take it to the moon? Um. You know, the next idea is always, can always be the best best one. But you know, at some point, they always say, you know, in football, they always say the favorite quarterback's the backup because everybody hasn't seen him play and like, man, they should just put him in. And they finally, put him in. He sucks. Yeah. Um, right. And you're like, yeah, that's why he was the backup. <laughs> um, so, so you know, I would take it back to the writing out the financial plan, right, and kind of saying, too often I've seen in companies or in startups going like, Hey, we want to do this, this, and this. It's like, okay, map it out for me and measure yourself against that. And, and don't, you know, if you go and say, Hey, I'm going to do this. And then you go, Hey, we sold a thousand dollars. That's great. It's like, what did you expect to sell? If the answer was 10,000, the 1000 sucks. Right. Yeah. If it was, Hey, I was hoping to sell a hundred bucks and I sold a thousand. That's great. So you need to have that measuring stick and kind of, you know, even if you're doing it on your own, you want to, report to yourself and hold yourself accountable because that that's when you get in trouble is when you, you're, you, you can kind of convince yourself, right? Like, Oh yeah, that was actually, I was hoping to do better, but that was actually pretty good. Let's keep slogging along with it. You know, it's like at some point you want to measure yourself and say, you know, the best thing is to lay those out and say, yeah, if you're not here by this point, pull the plug, right? Otherwise you'll just keep going down that, that rabbit hole, losing money, you know, chasing it after it hoping for something to turn. And the other thing, like you said, is, is trying different things. At least if you're trying different things, you have an opportunity for change. Too often I see, it's like, hey, you're expect, you know, you're doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yeah. You know, good luck. That, that's where like, you know, turning out the people, it's like, yeah, we're not doing well as a company, but let's get a new head of sales. Maybe that'll turn our fortunes around. You know, those things take time, but you know, at least you're doing something. You're like, hey, I, I tried something else, but to just go like, hey, same team, same strategy. Let's go for it again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good luck. Yeah. So what, how would you say uh, companies can expand? So if something's working out for you, the fear is always, I think, you know, and I can say this about myself personally, the fear is always, okay, it's working out for me. Who says it's going to work out and who says I'll be able to replicate this if I'm not the one holding the reins. So what's, what's the right way to expand uh, a startup of uh, ex existing business how do you franchise or expand or however you want to call it? Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at valuations of company, basically what companies are worth, you never want the secret sauce to be one person. Right. And so if you said like, Hey, if Elon Musk left Tesla tomorrow, the valuation would go way down. You're not in a great position as a company because you have too much tied up in that one person. Right. So it really becomes about having a great strategy, training people, bringing people in, becoming a team that, you know, they always say like, what would happen if so-and-so got hit by a bus? You know, you want, you want to make sure you have, you know, you, you know, documented procedures. You want to have, Hey, here's the strategy. Other people can kind of take the reins from there and carry it on. But if it's all in your head and you're one person or you're the, you know, the genius behind it all, or the charismatic leader, whatever it is, you want to bring in other people like that who can kind of backfill you if need be. And a lot of, you know, a lot of that has to do with ego where some people don't like to do that. You know, it's like, Hey, some people are, Hey, I'm, I'm a strong leader and I have a great number two. That's great. Other people are threatened by that number two and will then, yeah. you know, almost not hire that a good, strong second person and kind of create that environment where, you know, it's all on them, but, but their ego is not threatened. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So it's it's all about having the right people around you and it, it's people that you can trust, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that complement, you know, your weaknesses and kind of you want yin and yang approach. You want 
hey, if you're a strong sales guy but weak with the numbers, you get a strong finance guy in there. You know, kind of you know self-assess and and look for your holes and fill those holes. Either develop them internally yourself within yourself or hire people to kind of fill those holes for you. That makes sense. Um, I know you've been in in the industry for a long time, and I'm sure you've seen you know your fair share of horror stories. Uh, I want to ask you about about something. So this is this is a little bit off topic. Um, there there was a soap dispenser at Tyler's work, and mm-hmm. this soap dispenser went missing. Right, Tyler? Oh uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, missing right. And and how did they how did they begin it, Tyler? How did it start off? What do you wait? What? When when the soap dispenser went missing, so they started putting pictures of, of it, and they said it's missing, right? How how was oh, it exactly? Yeah, yeah. They just put up like if you if you've seen this, if you have it, please just return it. And it was just you know the Amazon photo. So mm-hmm. they so, didn't actually love it so much that they had photos <laughs> just in case, yeah. right? So so Tyler and his uh, friend um, bought the exact uh, soap dispenser on Amazon and <laughs> took like you know hostage photos with it in, in various locations around, you know, on a horse and, and by the beach and, you know, at a sunset and they, yeah. they posted those all around the office. Um, yeah. <laughs> is that, is that, is that a fireable offense in your opinion? I mean, it goes back to intention and, you know, I find it funny and if it's about levity and it's about, if it's about, you know, kind of having fun with it, I'm fine with that. If it's, you know, someone's sensitive about it and going to flip out about it and you did it anyway, you know, so it kind of det- depends on the situation and who knows what I'd, I'd say. No, it's not fi- definitely not fireable. Yeah. It might be a, Hey, don't do that again. It's, it's, no, oh, thank God. yeah, I just haven't yeah. been in corporate for so long. So when Tyler tells me these stories, it just cracks me up because I can't imagine being in an office setting and, and seeing things like that. I've only ever seen the movie office space and, you know, worked very briefly in a, in a corporate setting. Yeah. Um, have you? No, have I mean, you, Jim Halpert would be fired for everything he did to Dwight if that was the case, you know, for the office. <laughs> That's true. You know, he's like putting stuff in Jello and everything else. But we're watching it, thinking it's funny. And, you know, That's true. That's it true. works. Yeah. Have, have you seen crazy things happen at work? I mean, is is that something you can divulge a little bit? Don't don't name names, but I'm sure you've seen you know some crazy things. Oh, yeah, I've seen. You know, I, I had a client where the controller was stealing for years and years, and she's kind of the matriarch of the company. You know, held herself out. You know, everybody loved her, and it turned out she had been stealing for years and years. Jeez, how does the controller uh, get caught in that situation? Um, well, in this situation, it, it was you know we were looking at the budget, digging into things, and there's fake invoices in the system, and, and you know some people were like, yeah, we don't spend that much on whatever it was. Everything just led and back to that drug, and they just kind of yeah, you dig in, dig in. And it's funny, you know, they were looking at like, man, he goes, this went back like two years. And I go, and I just went back like eight years. And they're like, they're the same, same patterns there. That's you know, scary. Real quick. Um, That's scary. You know, there's that. I've seen shady stuff, you know, luckily, you know, before, like kind of in an interview process for a consulting gig. Um, they're like, yeah, we have two sets of books. And I was like, whoa. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Ran for my life. Got out of there. Um, you know, there, there's crazy stuff goes on, you know. Um, you know, and, and, you know. Part, sometimes my job is kind of more psychiatrist. You're sitting there hearing them and you're hearing about, you know, weird fi- family dynamics or partner dynamics or different challenges that people are having in their life or whatever. You know, there's, you kind of, you're, you're kind of, you know, there for them for non-business things as well. They just kind of hear it out because they all come into play, you know. Right. Uh, just yeah. all affects their performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I want to ask you just in today's, in today's field, because everything is going digital and things like that. Uh, do you still think, and, and don't get in trouble for answering this, please. Do you still think that college is necessary over having skills over just being a skilled person? Um, yes and no. I mean, the biggest thing with, with college or even graduate degrees or whatever it is, it's kind of like, oh, you have that, therefore we know you're at this level, right? And it's kind of your stamp seal of approval to get know, oh, you have this. Right. If you can go out and prove that you have that despite not having it, you know, you can you can go ahead. I mean, it's gonna be more difficult just because, you know, there's there's that credibility gap, I would say. Um, and it also very, you know, very much depends on the industry. If you're going into you know, 
become, you know, go into the Hollywood world, you don't necessarily need it. You know, if you're, if you're going into high finance and work on Wall Street, trying to walk into work at Goldman Sachs with nothing, you know, that's not going to happen. So, it, <laughs> yeah, I graduated you know, uh, junior and, high. And then there's the credential areas, you know, good luck becoming a doctor or a lawyer, you know, without, you know, an undergrad degree, you know, let alone of course. anything else you need. Mm. Um, so, so it's kind of hit and miss. It depends on the, on the situation. And, you know, sometimes I've seen it where it's, you know, family business, they kind of have their kids grow up in the business and they may or may not get the college degree, but they kind of know the business like the back of their hand and grew up living it and learned or sucked up everything from mom and dad who were running the business. And, you know, that works too, you know, it's kind of an on, jo- on the job training instead of the formal education. Yeah. Cause and, you know, when you look at it, like what is college, you know, especially undergrad, what does it do to prepare you for the work world? You know, it's more about, you know, getting things done, discipline, but like the skills is like you learn calculus. I don't do calculus in any of my jobs, right? I don't do, you know, half, half the things you, you learn, you know, hopefully you can write, write an email well, you know, whatever, they kind of polish you up on some of that stuff but along the way by learning writing skills and everything else. But there's not, there's not a lot of hard skills that you learn that translate directly right over. Not at all. And I think that is something that is sorely lacking in definitely high school and maybe first two years of college. Yeah. No, and and I mean, I think, you know, as a country, you know, not to go out of a different tangent, but it's like, you know, we we put this premium on the college educated and the kind of white collar jobs, but, you know, there's, you can make a lot of money, you know, being a general contractor or plumber or, or whatever, whatever have you, right. Where you're going to trade schools or just doing apprenticeships. And, you know, I read somewhere where, you know, someone who, who goes that path, you know, it takes by, it's, it's like age 40 where the doctor finally passes them up because they've been earning since they were, you know, 18 years old. The doctor's been spending for, for college, for med school, not making much during residency, you know, so it, it takes a long time to just catch up and have that intersection of where the doctor finally catches them. You know, they fly past them at that point, but um, it's way out there. And then, you know, at, and there's also this push towards the, you know, tons of colleges, you know, the for-profit models and everything else that I think are selling people false hopes by saying, hey, oh, come come to this school and get your degree in two years. You know, and, and then, you know, when I'm on the other side of the desk and they say, oh, I have a degree from here, you're like, okay, you know, <laughs> kind of wasted your money there. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's. You know, they're, they're not all created equal. And, and, you know, I think some people are being tricked into thinking that they are. It's like, you know, if you go to Harvard or if you go to, you know, the Barbara, if it's on the school of modeling, it's not the same degree that you're getting, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I have a question for you just because we, we brought it up. Have you ever, and, and feel free if, if you don't want to answer this, just say pass. Have you ever laughed at someone in, in an interview? Um. No, I wait till they're gone. Um, <laughs> there you go. No, no, I, I, I had one guy, he was explaining forever. He's like, um, yeah, we came up with this process in the manufacturing plant um, where we would put tape outlines around where the tools went. And he had all these pictures. He started busting out like, hey, here's here's where the hammer goes. And this is where the forklift goes. <laughs> and the tape, the tape out, and I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, great. You know, and then, and then I go into the guy who also in the room. Like, Did you see the pictures? Did he bust those out for you too? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but you know, I have a good enough poker face that so I can hold off on my laughs. Yeah. See, Eric, it's possible. I don't know, man. I, that's 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 a recurring question I have for for all of our guests. I ask them because I'm still trying to figure out how to not laugh at someone's face. You know, it's it's almost daily for me. Um, no. The next. I question mean, I guess if someone really tried, they could do it. <laughs> they could get <give> me back. <laughs> they really went out to left field. Uh, the next question I have for you and also this one um, you know do or don't answer it I'm I'm being in all seriousness do you think that the American dream is still attainable Uh, that's a good question I mean I I think I think it is I I definitely think it is you know capitalism is alive and well I mean I think the challenge is like you said like you know going back to your college question it costs so much that so many people are digging that hole you know where you're graduating from yeah undergrad with a kind of worthless degree that costs you $200,000 and you're $200,000 in the hole from day one. Yeah. Fucking A. Um, you know, and, and cost of living is going up and, you know, buying a house in LA or wherever you are, 
is, is super expensive, you know, you're, you're way off from that, you know? So I think, I think it is, I think you have to do it right. I think you have to be smart about it make the right decisions. Um, and, but you know, I, I, I believe it's alive and well, I see businesses succeeding left and right. I see startups working out. Um, but there is, you know, the American, you know, if for some, you know, if you see 10 people get the American dream and five living on the streets is a dream alive. Yes. But it's not ideal. Right. <laughs> um, right. That, given that there's a high failure rate as a society to, to allow that to happen. Um, so yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I was I was afraid to ask it, but you know, I, I said you know you you've been in this industry for so long, and you've been a, a professional all of your life, and and I just I'm wondering if it's attainable because the the saying goes you have to pay to play, right? Um, and so many yeah, people can't. Yeah, there, I mean, all those pay. nepotisms alive and well, all, all the things you see, you know, there's people inherit their money and or grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth, and they're you know born on third base, you know, there's all that yeah. that's out there. But, you know, arguably that it was always there, you know, it's like, that's true. You know, the Rockefellers had kids and they were born with a silver spoon, but that's you true. You can say the, the American dream wasn't alive, you know, back in the 1800s. All so. right. Well, well, we definitely appreciate you coming on and giving us so much of your time. I want to finish. These are the four questions that we ask everyone at the end. Um, Tyler, did you have anything else before I, I cut it to that? No, go, go for it. Okay, so these are the four questions we ask everyone. Please don't feel that that we, you know, landed on you with these hard-hitting questions. Every right. everyone gets these four. Um, are you ready? Yep, go for it. All right. Uh, what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, I had a boss tell me once. You know, he, he, you know, we were talking about you know career development and things that we've been talking about, and he said, "Think about your retirement party." You know, where are you? What did you achieve? Etc. And then, you know, and idealistically, where were you? Right. And then what was that person's resume? What was your resume at that point? And think about what resume would have gotten to that position, got you to that position. And then when you're going through your life and you have career opportunities, whatever, will that help build that resume that you're that that guy, you in the future? ultimately has, right? So that that can help you not make erroneous decisions of, of like, oh, this would be interesting, but it's like, would it help you achieve what you were trying to achieve? Like, no, you know, so it's like, you gotta hold steady to that. So I thought that was good advice. That is good advice. That's really interesting. Um, okay, question number two. And and again, if, if any of these are, are hard hitting, just say pass and we'll go on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Um, I'd say I, I don't have any, you know, biggest failure. I haven't had like a catastrophic failure. Um, you know, I, I think I see it more as, you know, some missed opportunities I've had. Um, you know, it could be looking back, it's like maybe I jumped ship from a job too, too soon. Um, you know, I owned a stock that would have, that took off after I sold it, you know, those type of things. I and, hate and, that which happens to all of us, but, you know, I look back at those smaller ones and say, what's the theme? And in those two instances, it's impatience, right? So then what do I do to work on my patience and kind of sit there and bide my time, you know, at, at a job or, or hold onto a stock longer or write out the downturn on the stock, you know, those type of things. So, you know, trying to look at any little failures you have and say, you know, what caused that and how do I remedy that mm -hmm. better myself? Um, That's smart. You know, and, and, and you know, so, someone along that, that line, you know, I heard someone's going a little bit back to the good advice. Someone who was, you know, probably 55, 60 years old said, at some point in my career, I stopped trying to change who I am and instead trying to find the situations that are good for who I am. Right. And so it's almost instead of like, hey, how do I, how do I better? Like, if you're not good at numbers and you're like a great salesperson, you can be like, okay, I took all this class, I couldn't all this. At some point, you just go, I'm not good at numbers. I'm gonna hire somebody who's good at numbers. I'm gonna get, you know, I'm gonna put my square peg into a square hole instead of trying to shove it into a round hole, right? Yeah. Um, so that kind of ties into the failures piece, and just know that your shortcomings at some point are who you are, and, and live with them. You know. I like that. I like that. Um, this one's a little bit philosophical. This one has stumped, you know, plenty of plenty of guests. So, so good luck to you, sir. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you were guaranteed the right answer to any question, and it would be the right answer, what would you ask? Um, on a philosophical level, I'd say, you know, what's the meaning of life? Okay. You know, go, go for the biggest question I could possibly <laughs> try to answer. On a financial level, I might say, like, hey, what's going to be the biggest stock for next year, you know, and get go with the genie approach and try to get some prediction of the future that would pay off for me. Yeah. Those are, Either way. That's really, that's really good, man. That's, that's really, really good. You don't know how many times I've asked that question and you can just, uh, you can hear the rattling in people's heads. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the final question I have, we end all of our episodes with this. Tyler, you, you have a chance to answer this one as well. Uh, what would you say is your song of the day? Mine? Yeah, yours. yours. I don't even know the names of the song, but I'd say something by Billie Eilish. You know, I feel like I hear her on the radio nonstop or catchy. Um, let's <laughs> go with something by her. Okay. All right. Tyler, you have one for us? I do. I have an instrumental today. Ooh. Classy. I had, uh, yeah. Uh, the track is called Searching the Apartment by Graeme Ravel. It's a composer. Uh, from the movie The Saint. Oh, all right. Never, never, never heard of the song or the movie. It's a very different song for the song of the day today. Is that Val Kilmer in that one? Yes, it is. Yeah, Good job. Are. Wow. All right. All right. Um, I think mine is a new song by Ed Sheeran. It's called Bad Habits. I, I really like that one. Um, if you just ha- hang out with us for one second, I just want to plug episode 47. Uh, episode 47, uh, Team TNA is going to go over true stories. Um, it's come to my attention that so many songs and movies and TV shows are actually based on true stories, which is absolutely wild. Uh, so we're going to explore that in episode 47. Uh, Brendan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for educating us. We appreciate thank the hell out of you. Thank you very much. Here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Good luck to Definitely, and we will absolutely uh, have you back. There's so America. much more to know. Yeah, thank Keep you. The American man. dream alive. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen. We'll see you all on episode 47. Thank you.